Hi, thanks for joining us here at Recovery Internet Radio, broadcasting live from Straight Stuff Studios. If you're keeping track, this is actually our fourth studio. So uh, we'll keep on, we'll keep the hits, keep it, keep it coming. This is actually a, a, a pretty important show for you uh, for us tonight. This is our uh, one year anniversary. Yes, it is. Some of us are some of us are relatively prone to celebrating certain anniversaries, so it's a, it's a kind of a celebration here. We, you know, you didn't get to if you if you if you weren't here, you didn't get any gumbo, but it was pretty darn good. So yeah, gumbo yeah. and cupcakes and yeah, we usually do coins, but yeah, it was gumbo and cupcakes. Cupcakes work just as well. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a kind of a special show for you tonight. Uh, you uh, you might recognize my voice. My name is Chris Atwater. I'm Rick's son. Uh, I'm here with Rick's wife. Mo, who's going to be uh, along with me, kind of getting a little bit of information about uh, Mr. Atwater. Our, Mr. Our Atwater. Host will be our guest tonight, so he'll be uh, he'll be the one in the hot seat answering some questions. Yeah, he's a mysterious guy. He is. He's, a, he's <laughs> a man of many mysteries. Wow. So. This is our uh, yeah. This is our our one year anniversary show. So thanks for joining us. Um, this is uh, we we do this every Sunday night. Uh, please tune in at eight o'clock. We do do a live, this is a live show, so. Please feel free to call in. Our number, if you'd like to give us a call, is uh, around here somewhere. It's 323-792-2977, and that's the same every week. So go ahead and you know write it down, give us a call, and give us a holler. Um, let's see, we've got. I just get a couple of a couple of quick shout-outs here to uh, to some of our some of our sponsors. Uh, I got a couple of commercials at the break, but we like to support our one of our favorite bands. Uh, Bob Bob Harper from Double Take. Uh, they've got upcoming gigs. They they play a lot in Chicagoland, and they've got a they've got a show coming up May fourth at Manhattan's American Bar and Grill in Carroll Stream. So some of us have been to check them out, and they're they're really talented. So get out if you get a chance. Go and go and have a fun time. Um, oh, while we're talking about before we before we move on to anybody else, you can also get a hold of us. Uh, you can tweet us at Rick Atwater on Twitter if you if you tweet tweet tweet. Um, and we check that during the show. So if you have any questions, feel free to contact us that way, or on Facebook because you know you got to have a Facebook. So that's uh, you can get a hold of Rick Atwater on Facebook. Uh, that's about all I have for introductions here. RecoveryInternetRadio.com. RecoveryInternetRadio.com. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that. How could I forget? Yeah, our our, uh, our wonderful website um, that's got links to uh, most of the information I just mentioned. And much, much more, along with a link to listen live to the show, sign up for our weekly newsletter, and links to all our past archived episodes. There's uh, about a year's worth in there now, so really? check it out. Um, so, with that being said, I'm going to uh, I'm going to introduce uh, Mo, Rick's wife, and she's got uh, she's got some interesting things to say. So, I'll before, pass the mic. Before I start, how did you get involved in this, Chris? Uh, Did Rick ask you? Or? Can I, yeah, can I, I tell you a quick short story? Yeah, please. Uh, I think he got a he got an inkling, as he's known to do, to to start a project. I think probably while you were you were. I think traveling. I was out of town. Uh huh. It was a cold winter night, right? <laughs> the wind was whistling <laughs> to the trees on a cold winter night. Dark and cold. Dark and cold. Yeah. Probably not too late though. I think he goes to bed early. Uh, <laughs> Very early. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, if you know Rick, uh, you know, if you know my dad, you know he's he's uh, got a got a mind to to be of service, and uh, I think he he thought this would be a good way to reach out to some people that might not otherwise 
uh, hear a message of hope that, that might be helpful. So he kind of got a bug to, to get on the radio. So did some did some research and found out how to do that. Here we are at Blog Talk Radio uh, where we can broadcast, you know, and have the show saved and broadcast live. So he did he did all he he set it up on his own and then I got a call you know maybe later that week after he tried to to broadcast the first time and just kind of talk he, he ended up talking to himself for about twenty minutes <laughs> so maybe we'll release those the the, uh, the unheard shows someday they might gotta leave the phone off the hook yeah it's, I yeah know. and so through through a series of uh, trial and error and, and a lot of trips to uh, to what where we go. The, uh, the, uh, the, the guitar, the guitar center, yeah. A lot of trips to the guitar center confuse employees trying to, you know, also trying to explain what we do. I think we got it. We got it put together. So I've been I've been on board since the beginning. Well, since the you know right after the un- unaired episodes. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of been one piece of equipment yeah. at a time, right? Absolutely. We kind of come in, right? Right. We had to bring the studio audience in now, too. We had to invite yeah. people to be here, so that way you know, he didn't feel like he was talking to himself. Even if we didn't broadcast, at least somebody would hear it. At least somebody would yeah. Have you listened to any of the archives? Almost all of them. Um, yeah. And if you know, if, if anybody out there you know, hasn't done that, I know... I know a lot of people in our audience. If probably, you know, we've got a lot of people that have been on the show. I mean, mm-hmm. somebody every week, sometimes more than one person uh, for a whole year. And I hope you've all got a chance to go back and listen to your, you know, listen to your story a little bit. It's it's really interesting to hear it. Um, probably and, sixty people. Yeah, and it's really by the time. Yeah, I listened to a lot of the shows this week, kind of uh, ramping up for our one year anniversary, and it is uh, very. Different experience hearing it sitting quietly and just hearing someone speak and share. Uh, and there's some, you know, there's some really, some really poignant moments that just kind of come and go in the blink of an eye. But hearing them again is really, a, is really a pretty special thing. So yeah, we've had a, quite a few tears mm-hmm. yeah. and a lot of laughter. A lot of laughter. <laughs> a lot of laughter. <laughs> well, I wanted to um, share a couple of things. At one point, I don't mean this to be a roast about Rick. But I'm going to speak to the audience about this because I want to I want to share some things um, about Rick that uh, I've told this story many times to people, and years later they come back and they told me this story helped them so much, especially men. Um, and you have given me permission to tell the story, correct? Yep, that's the yep. one. That's the one. Okay, but. But let me preface of why I'm choosing to tell this behind-the-scenes story, and that is, is one thing I've learned about Rick. We've been married, what, 28 years? Um, when he says he's going to do something and he makes up his mind, he does it. He truly does it. And he rarely changes his plan. Uh, he sticks with something. So when he told me that when I was out of town, he started this radio show. I believed him that he was going to stick with this, and I had no doubt that a year later we'd be sitting here, even if no one was listening. <laughs> <laughs> Some people call that rigid. <laughs> well, I call it keeping your or word. <laughs> and and you know you you're just steady. You just stay with something. But um, I learned about this characteristic another way. We had been married about two years, I think, when this occurred. And 
at that time, I was doing management consulting along with counseling, and we were going out to dinner with a fair number of executives. And I noticed he had a characteristic when we were out for dinner that embarrassed me. So I took it to my counsel about how was I going to share this with him. We've only been married two years. We live under the and who was your counsel? premise that we always sweep our, uh, we sweep our own side of the street. We don't talk about the other person. So I had this whole thing planned out, and I always have a have a thing, and I bet a lot of women out there understand this. Like his window's either open or it's closed. So I waited till that window was open so I could slide this suggestion in of what was embarrassing me. You know what I'm talking about? Window open, bit window closed. Yeah, especially the women here. Okay, so are the, we the same? Yeah. Okay, so I had it all planned out. So I said, Rick, can we talk, and he goes, Sure. And I said, This is not your issue. This is mine. I was really doing the best I could. I said, Glad I bought that. I'm embarrassed when we go out to dinner. And you chew with your mouth open. And he looks at me and he goes, okay. And I said, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to consider working on that and not chewing with your mouth open. And he just, you guys look so quiet out there. He just stares at me and goes, um, and then I, I thought, absolutely he would say, oh, my God, thanks for telling me. It is so gross that I do that. I can't believe I do that. I'll work on it. Instead, Rick Atwater says, I'll think about it. I'll get back to you in a couple of days. (laughs) And he got back to me in a couple of days. He walked away and I was dumbfounded. I could not believe it because I would have thought 10 out of 10 people would be happy to know that they chew with their mouth open and wouldn't do it. So he comes back in a couple of days, probably trying to find my window, and he says to me, he says, Mo, I've thought about it. And you know what? I'm not going to do it. (laughs) He said, in our year and a half to two years of marriage, you have asked me, to make a lot of changes. And they've really been good ones, some of them. And I've done it. I'm working on it. Would you agree? And I said, yeah. And he said, I don't want to work on this one. (laughs) And he looked at me, and I thought, how does one deal with this? And it was my first... I believe that the purpose of marriage is to help each other get to heaven and to help each other learn and be the best we can be. So I knew that it was not a non-negotiable. In other words, I wasn't going to divorce him because he chewed with his mouth open. So I had to learn about acceptance in that moment, that I had to accept this and watch my own behavior so that pattern was, if I noticed that he was chewing with his mouth open, 
I was not watching my own behavior. I was watching his. And that lesson has gone through our entire 28 years of marriage for us. Because I don't believe you what you're trying to change me. And I definitely wanted to change you and still do, but I've given up. <laughs> but when it comes to the radio show, I've watched how you brought all these people in that have lots of different points of view. And I know your different points of view. And I have watched you let them have their points of view. And you hold your truth for yourself with great discernment. And you did take that long walk, two days to come back and how did you have the guts to say to me, I'm going to continue to choose? <laughs> I'm still trying to get him to change. Do you remember, well, do you remember that? <laughs> do you remember that? And do you see how you do that with people when you interview Rick, how you let them have their truth, mm-hmm. but you hold your own? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I do. I, I, I want to know what people think. I don't, it's not my, you know, when I'm in that chair... It's not my job to agree or disagree. It's not my, I'm not looking, I don't think, I didn't do this so that people could hear my opinion. You know, I I, I did this so that people could hear a wide, a wider view of what recovery looks like. Because it, it looks, it's got a lot of faces, you know. And we've been, ta- you know, we've been talking about what we want to do in this next year, and you know, we're going to do what we want to do is, um, you know, do more telephone or Skype interviews, where we'll be able to access people uh, from other parts of the country. So we get, you know, so we get that that part too, and maybe maybe bring in some pe- some names that people recognize. You know, we we, we kicked around the idea of asking. Uh, uh, see if we can interview John Bradshaw. You guys heard of Bradshaw? We don't know whether he'll do an interview or not, but we'd like uh, to see John, you, know. you will, won't you? Yeah, yeah. So now that it's out there in the airwaves, we'll see go. what happens. Consider I mean, this, you know, your, this is your formal invitation. Yeah, this is your invitation. We'd really like to talk to you. There's another guy I want to talk to, um, Jim Nader, I think is his name, and he does uh, a show on national public radio called The Magnificent Obsession. You, you know that? Yeah. It's, it used to run, it used to play just on Sunday morning, like like 3 o'clock in the morning. Three o'clock in the morning or something like that. And, and, and you know, because it was designed for people who would be listening to the radio at 3 o'clock in the morning. And there's a certain population that many of us are familiar with that would be listening at that time. But he broadened his uh, he broadened a little bit, and I think they run the show again like at nine o'clock or something on Sunday morning. But anyway, I, I'd love to interview him because he's kind of he he. If anybody would be my mentor, it would be him because he's been interviewing, you know, people with uh, addictions problems for years, you know, and then and then having them tell their story. And he's had a lot of pretty famous people on the show, and uh, you know, big name people, which. You know, it's, it's cool. So, so yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really, you know, yeah, I'm not I'm not doing this so that people get my opinion. Well, we also talked about um, some people, directors of some treatment centers, which do things really, you know, 
so many of them do things differently. Yeah, and Malibu. What's the, the Malibu? Place mm-hmm. called uh, something Malibu. I can't remember. Not a twelve-step based program. They do some. They do some. I don't know what they do. I don't, there's a book out, so I'd like to know. I'd like to hear what they do. You know. There's some spas that do recovery that do um, alternative health. Mm-hmm. We've had. I mean, um, we've had uh, people on this on this show. Uh, in the last year, we had a guy who, who's a big part of his recovery was yoga, um, and he's also a twelve-step guy. But he, but at least at least part. What, what are you guys talking about? You got you gonna play that one? Uh, no, I don't know. If we're gonna play that you one. Had, but oh, you had that one in the, in the archives. Or? No, you know I, I think that that's a good point though. Um, who else? I mean, we've had we've had a lot of people that, that have uh, had a lot of different aspects of, of recovery and and what they've done. Um, Buddha, a Buddhist? Buddhist monk. We had the we had the mm-hmm. Buddhist nun. Buddhist nun. Yeah. Let's get that right. Monk ass. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you know she had an interesting take on that, and uh, they had quite a network of uh, of listeners, as it turns out. And then we had we had a judge uh, talk about a drug drug court and that kind of stuff. So we've had you know some some interesting I think some interesting like views. You certainly have. I think, Mo, I think you made a good point as well, and then, Dad, you kind of expanded on that. I was listening to a lot of the, the some of our past shows, and there has been some really, you know, just, I'm just crying, laughing moments <laughs> in the midst of tears and, and people really bearing their soul. But I I was listening for, for Rick's voice a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, I think... Uh, and, and it was it was a really interesting way to look at it because, you know, going through and listening to show after show, he's very, uh, you know, and and I I think it's a really good thing that you're you know this is the type of interviewer that you are and it is this this steadiness and this like you're gonna you're gonna get to the place you want to go but it's it's gentle and you were kind of not in the foreground, right? You know, so we thought this was a, this was a good opportunity to put you there. <laughs> Can I play a quick? How awkward is that? Yeah, right. I think this is this is something you said. I don't I don't remember which show it's from, but I thought it was I thought it was appropriate for for kind of a description about what what you're trying to do with the show. Thanks for telling your story and and giving us your giving us the inside scoop because that's I think that that's what helps people and that's what that's what we wanted to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you remember that that particular moment, but do you want to talk a little bit about what your motivation was for the show? I think I mentioned my kind of what what my thoughts on it were, but I'd like to hear kind of what what your thoughts on it are. Well, I think that that um, when I started this deal, I think I had the idea in my head that uh, that I wanted people to hear. Uh, Hope, you know, hope. You mentioned it earlier. I wanted people to hear stories of recovery. There's plenty of there's plenty of disasters out there. There's plenty of drama. There's plenty of bad news, and there, there's a whole there's a whole world of people that are working hard every day, getting well, doing well, having having good lives, having fun. Um, you know, doing. Interesting things, and you don't hear about that. You know, you, you hear, you, you know, you turn on, you know, where's where is it 
on TV. Where's the recovery channel on TV? I don't. I've not found that. <laughs> you know, it's not where you know it's not CNN or Fox News or any of those places. It's you know, and and so that was kind of what I was thinking is, and you know, the kind of, the kind of, uh, I mean. I'm just sort of chuckling to myself. There's one uh, one guy that was on the show that um, you know most people probably wouldn't let in their house, you know, just by appearances. You know, <laughs> I mean, you don't. You know, it's just sort of a rule that I've always had. Is like if somebody has a neck tattoo, they don't come in. Okay, <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, I mean, this guy, this particular guy. Has got had had such a great attitude, such a great message. Uh, you know, he had you know multiple addictions, recovery from all of them, and, and not a very likely candidate, right, frankly. And uh, and he's doing great. And so that's the kind of stuff that I want people to know about. You know, don't judge a book by its cover. Don't give up before. You know, we even had a show called "Don't Give Up Before the Miracle Happens" when right. uh, Julie. Did a did a bit and uh, you know who would have guessed you know if you, if you if you heard that show who would have thought you know given what what her life was like that she would have succeeded and made a life and be happy and you know we're standing around talking afterwards and she's talking about riding her motorcycle and horses and you know she's you know a fantastic person so. Anyway, that's really where I that's that's what I wanted to to do is to take the take the the um, take it out of living in the problem. Yeah. And 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 let's let's we'll talk about the problem a little bit, and that's the way we've done it. Really, is kind of we'll spend the first half of most shows doing the setup, like how you get here, how did how did uh, you know what happened in your life, but we try to spend at least the second half, if not a little bit more, talking about what it's like now, you know, so. Do you ever have to hold your tongue back like you want to say more to someone um, about your views? Is it is it ever hard? Not, I don't have a hard time not expressing my views. I do have a hard time sometimes, I get really, you know, I'm excited about recovery. I mean, I'm passionate about it, so I have a hard time like not going. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know like Woo! I'm with you. Yeah, <laughs> that that's more what I what I you know. Keep a cool tool and all this you know deal, but but I'm excited about it. I'm excited when people when people talk about recovery when they talk about success. You see it as real transformation. Absolutely. I don't think there's anything. I've, I've never really seen anything like it. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a therapist. I've been a therapist for I'm uncountable years, <laughs> more than 30, if I, if I had to admit. And as much, you know, as much as I feel good about what I do, um, for the most part, I the, the transformation that I've seen takes place outside of where I work. For the people that you know, most people, most people I've seen the real transformation in, you know, programs, twelve-step programs in particular, but other programs too. Not, you know, not to diss therapy because I think it's a, it's a helpful thing, but it's just a helpful thing. 
It's not the thing. <laughs> you know? Mm. You know, I get in trouble with people in my profession for saying that because I think a lot of them think it's the thing, you know. And in places like AA or 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 NA or overeaters or whatever is a nice little support group that we can add on the back end so that therapy works well. And I think exactly the opposite. I think that, you know, if I had a choice, I would suggest if people can do one or the other because of their time constraints, I would say go to, go to some meetings, get into, get into a recovery program. And then if you want to talk to a therapist or you want to talk to me, give me a call. But do that first for a while. Because that's where it happens, you know. That's you know, you see somebody looking like complete hell, and six months later, they're you know walking around looking pretty good, got the job back, got the you know. What happens in there that makes it so powerful? Well, you know, I can only tell you what people have told me, and you know, I think. I think it's probably, um, to some extent, it's the spiritual part of the of the of that of the twelve step program that that really makes the difference. That doesn't happen in the therapist's office. You can't, you know. I like to call it the divine third. It's like, you know, it's something that you can't put your finger on. But there's always there's something that takes place. You know, I guess what's the phrase? The the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. So. Something happens apparently in those meetings or in those groups that's bigger than just that circle of people sitting there. Maybe it's a mystery, <laughs> and that's okay, you know. Have you ever had anyone come? I can't remember if there's a show where someone actually started in the program and then left and 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 didn't like it, but stopped using drugs and alcohol anyway. Yeah, I think there's lots of people like that. I don't know how happy they are. But some of them probably are. Um, you know, I you know I was thinking the other day I was I was talking to a guy who had been in had been sober and in the program seven years, and then moved to another town, and kind of fell away from his friends and his supports and his meetings and whatnot, and got drunk. And then he sobered up a couple years later and said, I'm, you know, swore that he would never, you know, drink again. He learned his lesson and moved back to the Chicago area here and got drunk again. And I met him just a week or so ago um, after now back in in, uh, recovery. And I thought that would be a guy I'd love to talk to. Mm-hmm. To see what it was that took him out, how, what was his understanding of, what, and what happened when he said, you know, that part where he says, "I'm never, you know, I've learned my lesson. I'm never going to do it again." You know, that was as bad as I could ever imagine getting. I'm gonna, and then, you know, so I'd love to talk to talk to him, but he's he is back in the program, so I don't know whether, you know. It would be hard to find. Maybe it would be hard to find. Maybe we should look for somebody who has done it, just stopped drinking, bit the bullet. We'll have to put that on the list of, uh, list of topics of recovery in that radio year two. Year two. Year two. Mm-hmm. Title of show, Bite the Bullet. But there you go. We're, we're already we're already <laughs> trucking right along. Yeah. Well, we're about, we're about halfway here, um, and I find 
and I don't know if you all out there listening feel the same way, but I think a lot of people at about this point when their guests have kind of this is this is our, our usual turning point. This is where uh I think Rick likes to kind of shift gears and get a little bit, you know, going out of out of story and past to recovery and future. Um I'm gonna play a couple little little snippets from our, some of our past shows that are some you know some nice moments like that and then we're gonna play a play a little music that he picked and then uh We'll be back with you, but let me let's let's do that. Let's let's have a quick listen, a little blast from the past, if you will. Now, this is uh, this is an interview we did with, uh, with with Tammy, and she shares a little bit about uh, her fairy tale, her fairy tale story. So that's kind of what what happened with the journal entries. Right. They didn't fit the story, right? And the story was Cinderella. Mm-hmm. And Cinderella is not you know nobody wants to hear about Cinderella barfing in her glass slippers. No, no. Didn't she turn into a pumpkin or something? I, I can't remember. I can't remember the fairy tale. But I don't think it ended well, did it, or did it? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I like the, uh, you know, it, it's. I think it's an important moment, you know, in someone's <laughs> life. But we, you know, I, it, it's okay to look back and have a, you know. She's talking about barfing in her shoes. Yeah, right? uh, you know. And then, and here's here's another quick one. Here, this, is, this was with Marcia, not 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 all that long ago, but a, a moment that she had. I woke up one day and realized that I was drinking a bottle of wine every single night. Mm. And I didn't know how I was going to be able to handle the pressure mm. without that. Mm. And did did you wake up to that once your son was in treatment and, and, and they were asking him no. questions about that? Or those were, uh, it those was, were separate things? It was just things. a moment. It was a separate thing. It was a moment of realization that... I wasn't there one evening when I should have been. Hmm. A moment of clarity, moment I've, of clarity. I've heard it called. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. A moment of clarity. A moment of clarity, yeah. And I think, you know, in, in my opinion, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of this, that I think that this reaches a pretty good-sized audience. And I'd like, after the break, maybe you can talk a little bit about, about the scope of that and, and how you feel about it. But... That that moment of clarity, you know, for someone might it gets to them in a variety of ways. So, um, I'll I'll send us a break here. Uh, this is a uh, this is like I said, Rick Rick was feeling into the temptations tonight. So this is uh, ain't too proud to beg. I hope you enjoy the music, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes. I love this song. <laughs> I know you wanna leave me, but I refuse to let you go. If I have to. I don't mind Don't you mean that But you mean Oh! 
Everybody, I hope you enjoyed the uh, the song there. It was a little uh, "Ain't Too Proud to Beg." Yeah, you know what? You, you ain't too proud to beg. <laughs> I ain't too proud to beg. That's for sure. <laughs> Before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, the scope and the reach of of what you're doing. And I know I asked you kind of what the emphasis was or what the what the motivation behind doing this this recovery internet radio show was because you you do a lot of you do a lot of work in this area on a on a daily basis and then you know to add one more weekly you know donating your time on Sunday nights um what what do you think about that what do you think about the the, the range was that a consideration was that was that a part of the plan from the beginning you know it's just the thing I was thinking about was um, no I think I'm building a media empire. <laughs> <laughs> Regular Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, so I'm, I'm writing this. I, I write for the newspaper, the local newspaper, and, and that. Uh, how long? How long have you been doing that for? For those of you that don't know, it's been. Uh, I've been doing that actually since before I met Mo. So it's been more than 28 years. Yeah. So I've been doing it a long time. That's a lot of articles. That is a lot of articles. You think about it. If I if you figure I write fifty two a year, you do the math. I don't know. I think there's a book there. That's what I've been told. You know. Uh-huh. I write the part where you pay them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it's interesting. By my news it's an interesting arrangement. That's so you got, the way it goes. You got, you got, you got service the, work, dude. You've got some deep roots in this media empire though. That's my yeah, that was the beginning of my media empire. And I thought, you know, I, I don't know. I, I was, you know, to be honest with you about the about internet radio, I, I was partly intrigued by the uh, technology, mm-hmm. and and you know, and as much as the message, mm-hmm. it was just a conceptually. I could see myself. I had this whole idea in my mind of this, of this, uh, and you captured it. I think on the front on the web mm-hmm. page, kind of this, uh, almost kind of. I know it sounds a little iffy, but kind of a nightclubby. Nighttime, smoky, sure, kind of. I got you know, the same vibe. I was just thinking the lights are a little bright in here. Yeah, right now. a little bright yeah. in here for what I had in mind. <laughs> kind of a dim, kind of a yeah, dim kind room. Kind of a dim room, yeah. kind of you know, a little jazz in the background. Was kind the bongos were about originally. What was that? <laughs> bongos were about originally. Yeah, the bongos. <laughs> right, exactly. We could have a bongo player in the background. I, you know, I forgot to mention we've had. I mean, we've, we've had you know impressions. We've had impressions. Done. We've had comedy. We've had poetry. Mm-hmm. We've had art. A lot of music. A lot live, of music. A lot of live music. Guitar. Like the whole it works for sure. Which I'd love to get back to live music again. It's just sometimes it's a little hard to get it coordinated with guests and whatnot. But yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that next year. The temptations were available, you know. At yeah, a the temptations weren't available. Yeah. We checked with the Stones, but they couldn't go. Yeah. yeah. We, we, <laughs> you take what you can get. Take what you can get. 
So as far as that, that scope and that range, do you have an idea about how many people this show has reached in, in the last year? As a matter of fact, I do. Because <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> because I went back and our software does not does not give us a total for the entire time that we've that we've been here. It only totals for some reason over the last seven months. So I went back and looked it over and we're we've actually had about forty two thousand listens. Wow. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So like a lot of times people and some of the shows like the one that you did, Tom, was I think like I don't know, seventeen hundred people. You know, and when you think about that, that's a lot of people. You know, yeah. You did the one about health, um, and I think sure we ran that one. Actually, ran that one twice. We ran it once, and then we we, we traveled one weekend and did a rerun. Mm-hmm. And I, between the two of them, it was about twenty five hundred or somewhere. Wow. So I mean, that's a lot of people who are listening at any given time to these. To these shows, and I don't know where they come. From. I don't know where they are. I don't know who listens. I mean, you guys are here, so it's not you. Yeah, we had a guy call in from New York. I think he was half in the bag, actually. But well, if you're out there listening, and you know, if you know anybody that would appreciate this kind of message, you you know, get a, get a hold of us. Um, like I mentioned, we mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's. Uh, RecoveryInternetRadio.com, and you can you can get a weekly uh, weekly reminder for the That's show. RecoveryInternetRadio.com. <laughs> Absolutely. Rick, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, what you're doing outside the radio show. I know that you. I don't know how many years ago, but you started the first Heroin Awareness Foundation in this area. Would you tell us about it? Sure. Yeah. Um, in in uh, in my counseling practice. Because I do, I work with addicts. Uh, I started getting calls from parents, and this was probably about, I would say maybe, maybe 2000 and maybe 01, somewhere around there. I started to hear a little bit from parents, like my kids using heroin. What do I do? I'm freaked out. You know, they're going to die, or you know. And I really wasn't um, very well tuned into that at that time. So I started to look into. I started to ask around. I started to talk to some of the recovering kids that I knew. I started to uh, ask around at some of the treatment centers. And sure enough, emergency rooms were seeing more admissions for heroin problems. The state-funded the state-funded um, treatment facility, one of them in our area, was like 50% of their intakes were heroin-related uh, problems. And certain, all these things are happening. And uh, and so I got together, I got a group of people together, and we did a, a, a community forum in, in conjunction with the newspaper and um, and our counseling agency, and we did this 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 forum, community forum on heroin. It was it was, and that was in '02. There was about 250 people there. It was in the it was in October of '02 uh, at the college, and uh, and. It was like in the middle of the week, and 250 people show up, and uh, and we got a panel, we got a recovering person, we got uh, North, uh, what is it, Northeastern Illinois Narcotics Task Force people, we got state's attorney, we got all the players, you know, and uh, and everybody's sort of like, wow, you know, and so you know, surprised, and this nice little you know, ex-urban, uh, largely. Uh, 
Caucasian community, we got a heroin problem. You know, people are not believing this. Um, out of that meeting, a group of uh, a number of the moms came, uh, approached me, um, and said, "Can we do something more now?" You know, and so I called them. I called them the heroin moms. These are moms with uh, kids who sit on. They either were heroin addicts um, or their kids had died of a heroin overdose. Okay. And um, well, you helped me put together that first. That first form, and um, these moms were really wanting to do something more. So we formed. They made me a, a, an honorary heroin mom, <laughs> and uh, and we formed uh, a not-for-profit group called the Heroin Awareness Foundation. We developed a website. Um, we dedicated to um, informing people about the heroin problem. We one of the moms, uh, actually two of the moms would watch the paper, and whenever there was a, a heroin overdose death, they'd go to the funeral. And and if the parents were approachable, they'd talk to them about their own experience and anything that they needed or wanted, you know. We put a, a we, with kids that, that get that get into heroin, they, they often will leave, and the parents don't know where they go. They're gone. You know, they just, they split. They go live in some house somewhere or whatever because they're all about getting high, and they don't communicate with their parents. So we set up a thing on the website where kids could put, you know, who they are on the website, and then parents could check and see, you know, if their parent, their kid was okay without the kid having to spill who they were with or where they were. So it was just like, you know, we did stuff like that. Um, and then in about, I would say, maybe over the course of about five years, you know, the, we sort of lost steam. The the county, the place where we are, kind of almost got used to it or something. I don't know. Just sort of went back underground again. And uh, and so I, I've never stopped beefing about it. But um, you know, I write articles about it periodically in the newspaper. I do this, and I still see a lot. You know, if you go to those same treatment centers now, probably a major. It's no longer 50%. It's more like 80% of the kids that are going into treatment are heroin or opiate addicted. Wow. On our local, all the local, you know, it's just, it's, you know, it's epidemic, basically. Mm -hmm. So they just formed a new, uh, recently a new task force, um, the uh, uh, guy named Andrew Sinke, undersheriff, uh, formed this new task force called HEAT. And I don't know what HEAT stands for, to be honest with you, but with age, that's probably heroin. Um, and that's what it's about. And so uh, I'm part of that, and uh, and we'll see we'll see where that goes. But for some reason or another, it's just something that people forget about. I don't know why. Maybe they don't want to know. Maybe it's too ugly. I don't know. Just, I'm not sure. You know, I think that, you know, for the first time in a long time, I, I, there was something on the mainstream news just last week. Just last week. Yeah, CBS, uh, what, Tuesday? Yeah, where are they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is something that's yeah. obviously been a problem that like you've been years ago. you've been yeah. working on raising awareness for, you know, for, for a long time. So it was good, you know. If it's finally yeah. catching on at least, you know, better yeah. better late yeah. than never. Yeah. I'm glad but. I'm glad to hear it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear it. How about the newspaper articles? When did that all start? You've been doing that what, twenty eight years? Yeah, I talked about that a little bit while oh, you were doing Tino were out there chatting. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> we already covered that. <laughs> I think he's, a, he's got enough. He's got a, he's got enough for a book, give or take. You know, at this point. So. <laughs> I got to roast you. You did what you said. No, I just, I just oh. did just now. I just roasted you. You know what? Speaking of that, though, um, what's what? Yeah, I know you're working on a new program right now, uh, uh, mentoring, uh, something along those lines. Yeah, it's called Sidekicks mm. Mentoring, and uh, we're well. You're a part of that too. I I keep roping you into these. <laughs> I call them volunteer opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> but uh, I basically. The genesis of that was um, a, a, a group of uh, substance abuse treatment professionals that said we need more input from kids, for kids. And I've heard this so many times that I, I thought, if I don't actually do something about this, then I'm going to have to... I just have to quit because I can't, you know, I don't want to hear it and then not do it one more time. It's it's gone on long enough. So we got a, we got a group of kids, group of young yeah. people, I should say, and we we horsed around a couple of times and we finally narrowed down a program that they would that that looked like would be a good one, and that they all agreed to. And we had a couple of judges who said, "Yeah, this is what we'd like to do." Uh, judge McIntyre being the primary one because she's the juvenile judge, uh, and um, and we uh, yeah about let's see it's about a year and a half now I think that we've been working on this and we finally got a sort of an executive committee which you're on and you developed a website for called SidekicksMentoring dot dot org dot org correct and. Um, yeah, and so we've got something up and running now. We've had a few kids coming in from the courts, and we're working on training a new group of mentors and and uh, basically positive role models, kids uh, who not necessarily substance abuse kids, but probably the majority of them will be because they're coming through the courts. Um, we'd take them through from from the schools or really any referral source that that wants where parents want a, a you know. Some positive time with their kids. Sure. Some, you know, and we've got a really good group of people, and it's free. We just do it. You know, we provide it, we do an intake, and then we set them up, and off they go. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a very good program, and something a lot of kids can, a lot of kids can use. Right, mm-hmm. and you can't beat the price. Yeah. Free's good. <laughs> Free's good. Free's good. Yeah. You like to do things without um, charging, don't you? Yeah. My experience is when, as soon as you get money involved, it gets complicated, and the 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 help part becomes secondary to the supporting, you know, finding support for the organization that's doing the help. And pretty soon, all the energy is spent chasing around finding money instead of doing what you're supposed to be doing. So we we don't want grants. Yeah, we don't want grants. We don't want you know any money. Well, and you funded the entire radio show too. Yeah. Yeah. Part of service for you. Yeah. Well, it wasn't done to make money. That wasn't. That was never the purpose of it. It was done. Maybe. Maybe some people think more that way than I do. I just don't think that way. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I don't think that. I mean, I don't think. Let's see. I mean, how am I going to make more money? You know, that's not. I'm not adverse to making money or anything. But, 
<laughs> but it's just not my nature to think that first. You know. When you interview someone and you see that they have um, made this transformation that we were talking about earlier, yeah. what's it like for you? I feel um, if I'm around somebody that's in the process of transformation and I see them really getting somewhere, I feel joy. I feel inspired. It's, it's you know, if you've, you know, of course, you've seen people go from here to here. You know, really, the, the light comes on, you know. You see people where the light comes on, or you've been there. Everybody here, you guys have seen it, you know, where you've been sitting there when the when the light comes on, the look on the face, I, and there's just something. It's almost like I want to like welcome, you know, welcome to Earth. <laughs> you know, <laughs> glad you're here. And yeah, let's okay, let's okay, let's get going now, you know. I don't know, it's just, a, you know, and and I would never tire of that. I would never tire of that. And it can happen lots of different ways. I mean, you know, I've, it's just, um, and, and the more unexpected, I guess the more unexpected, I was talking about the neck tattoo, you know, but the more unexpected the person, the happier I am Some for some reason. If some really well put together dude shows up and, you know, doesn't have too many bumps in the road, and then they get it. I'm happy for them. But if some guy who's just got out of jail <laughs> doesn't have a car and living in his uncle's basement, you know, with a neck tattoo, when he gets it, I'm really happy. You know, I don't know what that is. Well, you, I know we, you and I both have worked with families mm-hmm. where we've seen the entire family begin to shift. Yeah. And. Um, Different programs go through each of those people, whether they be yeah. Al-Anon or AA or ACOA, you know, seeing the whole family move. Yeah. You've also, we've both also seen people die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing about uh, the thing about families, I mean, it's a good point, but you know, it's like what I think about is that how much it takes a lot of patience with a family because it's like a little here and then and then a little here and then and then somebody you know like maybe maybe one person out of five kind of gets it you know or maybe more you never know it's it's you know kind of a different deal you've been working with um families right do you have family family education mhm yeah, you know what? What makes what what you're talking about? What I, w- I want to say a little something about. Um, I had somebody call me the other day. Oh, we were talking about the intervention thing, and uh, and you know my experience with interventions is that a lot of people who want to do interventions are people who don't want to do the work and just want to set up. Uh, Oh, I don't know. Um, set up a situation where they put the addict in a in a in a position where they can't say no, and bump them into treatment. And it's not 
that's not necessarily bad, but it's what I'll tell you what I think is bad. I think the publicity around doing intervention, you know, people think that's the answer. So they, they miss the point that the family has to get well before inter- intervention is going to be effective. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Why is that? Well, otherwise, uh, it'd be like me telling uh, a, a uh, nuclear physicist, you know, how to, how to do something. I have no credibility. Why am I going to... How am I going to say what somebody should do unless I've stepped into my own process? Mm-hmm. Now... Now, now I'm in my own. Now I know what I can make an I statement because I'm doing it. I'm not lecturing. You know, that's what turns out. That's what I think uh, uh, interventions can very easily turn out to be. You know, lectures mm-hmm. and finger pointing, and it's like so counterproductive. You know, especially when people do the do-it-yourself interventions. You know, like, you know, they call me up and they say, "I think I'm going to do an intervention." You know, will you help me? And I, well, what do you, what can I help you about? Well, just tell me about it. Like, tell you about it on the phone, and then you're going to go do it. I, no, I, I'm not going to do that. The hobby kit intervention, if you want. Well, yeah. they right. They have to be able to hold the line. If they're going to do an intervention. They have to talk about how that person's addiction has affected them. Exactly. And then they have to hold the line. And the people that are surround alcoholics and addicts are generally addicted to the alcoholics and the addicts. And if they don't, if they don't separate themselves from their own addiction, they're not going to be able to be any good. You know, they're not, they're not going to be able to, you know, you know how it works. The finger wagging and the loud voices and you, you know, this is the last time, you know. It might be really interesting, Rick, to have a show where we, where someone started recovery as a result of an intervention. Mm-hmm. And maybe also one that failed. And yeah. why? Yeah, that would be, that would be a good, uh. I know a couple of guys who've who've come in through um well John, John yeah. yeah John, John M. I know and there's a couple of guys from like that work like work, you know, level them in, you know, level them in. I think that's a really great idea. I think it sounds like we've got an idea for for a couple of shows for mm-hmm. recovery internet radio. Yeah, too. now now you being you, you just got like a promotion to co producer, right? I, I think so, yeah. <laughs> so that, does that mean that, does that mean you, that you're you know, my resume is gone get from here? Yeah, producer to, to co host to sidekick to co producer. That's true. Yeah. yeah. We've come back around. Well, I think we're 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 getting pretty close here. Uh you know, thanks for you know, really thanks for thanks for starting us and keeping thanks. up with it. Thank you, Rick. Thanks, yeah. Rick. Yeah. Thanks, Rick. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Chris. Absolutely. Thank and, you, Ronald. Sure. And uh, yeah, Arnold, do you have anything? No, but this has just been it's been so fantastic to see all this week. You know, the story about recovery and no interviewing you as it. I feel honored to be a guest here every week whenever <laughs> I can make it from Bulgaria, wherever I am around the world, you know, and because uh, I am too busy and. Uh, I haven't got a hold of the housekeeper's anonymous hotline. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody just keeps bugging me to, to call that number, and uh, you know, I, I'm still working on my movies, and uh, I'm always trying to promote sobriety and everything that you taught me. And uh, I think all these things are good things, and when you get these things and a lot of those things, you end up with a lot of things. And uh, <laughs> 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 so, yep. I look forward to coming out here, and it's, 
it's a privilege of meeting all you and Chris, you do a great job playing with your radio stuff over here. Thank you, Arnold. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, Rick, thank you so much. Oh, Arnold, I can't tell you what a what an honor it is to have you here. Absolutely. I'd like to give us a quick recovery internet radio year end uh, you know, just a random a random roundup. Um our first show, you know, appropriately enough that did broadcast was was titled Addicted to Everything with <laughs> Russell and M. So thanks. Yeah, uh Russell. It's a, a great way to begin. Um, you know, we've had celebrities, uh, you just heard Arnold. Uh yeah. we've had you bet you Christopher Walken, yeah. Christopher Walker, we've had mortgage brokers, uh Vietnam vets, uh, you know, a young man that was leaving to get you know, he was he was reporting for duty to be incarcerated in just a, just a couple short days. He was in recovery. Um, nuns, shamans, priests, mental health <laughs> professionals. Uh, you know, you know, you want to talk about looking at recovery from uh, from a lot of different angles. I think we're I think we're trying we're, we're trying to trying to spread that message. So that's that's an amazing thing. Yeah. Our show our show length uh, has changed from a, a brief thirty minutes. We couldn't contain all the goodness at 30, so we switched to 60, and that, that just wasn't enough. Uh, so now we're at, we're at a, a 90 minutes, if you're willing to listen that long. <laughs> um, we built our own acoustic panels. We've got five microphones, which is an awful lot for a little studio. <laughs> <laughs> we got a new uh, we got a new computer. Yeah, this is the we second got a computer. Mac, what is it? A Mac Mini? Mac Mini, two mixing boards. You know the technical stuff. I like that too. So, um, you know, 12 trips to Guitar Center. <laughs> <laughs> we've had These are all that, things that you've done. Right? We've had people on that were addicted to uh, uh, money, sex, gambling, heroin, crack, cocaine, methamphetamine, pot, alcohol, uh, other people, other people, Oreo cookies, clutter, Oreo, absolutely clutter. I, I, if you, you know, if you could think of it, we've 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 talked about it. So, um, covered a lot of ground, and it's been a great year, and we look forward to another one. So thank you again to Mr. Rick Atwater. Can I say one more thing? Oh, of course. Can I? Please. I, I would like to thank both of you guys, but you in particular for you know doing your doing your thing here, and I, you don't get you know your salary is the same as mine. <laughs> <laughs> I get I get a warm fuzzy feeling. You get a yes, warm fuzzy feeling on Sunday nights, and you've been here every Sunday night except for one when you overslept. I sure did. You know, so I had to roast you there. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Aaron, out there, my my uh, yeah. backup producer. Yeah, yeah. Aaron. Aaron's joined us a couple of times, yeah, and that's absolutely. been great. But you've been great, and you know it's been fun working together, and we've learned a lot. Mm. And thanks to you because you've been here every single time, except when you travel. You've been here for every show. I love it. And you've been like my guiding light, my support, and I really appreciate it. I love you. Oh. <laughs> Well, thank you. I uh, sure will. Thank, thank me and thank Mo for being here tonight. Uh, thanks, thanks to our listeners and our studio thanks, audience, absolutely, for making a success, successful little underground support source for the recovering community. We'll email out our reminders for next week's show as soon as Rick gets around to typing them up. Uh, remember to check recoveryinternetradio.com. Uh, for all our archive shows, sign up for the, that fantastic email that does come out every week. Forward it to a friend if you know somebody that would be interested. Remember, too, that we want to hear from you so we know where our listeners are. So feel free to get a hold of us on, through that website by email, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. As always, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. Um, and remember, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. Girl.
remember, live today, love yourself and your neighbor. Together, we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. So remember, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you enjoyed the show. See you at 8 p.m. next Sunday. Thank you. Cupcakes. <laughs>